tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Good morning, Swarm. And welcome to Tin Full Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Joining me as always in a new, in his new cool apartment. Look at that. What are you, the Jeffersons? What are you moving on up, bro? Seriously, yeah. look at that, dude. He's look even got a refrigerator. That. A refrigerator? No more. No Not more even like one of those little ones. Not guy. one of those little ones. You know, the little yeah. wine cooler. Thing. With wheels on them. Uh, please <laughs> yeah. welcome Xavier Guerrero. What's up? What's up? How's it going? Going good. Thank you for asking, Xavier Guerrero. And living in with some weird shit behind him, living in the forest with the ghost of what a George Bush just flashing behind him. Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard, how are you? Pretty good, man. I'm out in the country now. I just froze my tits off in Chicago and Indiana with Jason. That was a mess. I mean, it was just so cold, dude. We didn't, I went there to play golf. And it was like the coldest week they've had so far this Where year. Where does he snowing. live? He's in uh, kind of, I don't know what you'd say, like North North Indiana, somewhere like that. I was in Michigan in the middle of the woods, which so was you nice. you thought it would be good to go to the Midwest in November to golf? Well, it had just been like 60 degrees last week. And we were like, oh, this is great. The weather looked like it was going to be clear. And But no, I also went to see Jeff Richards' show. That was pretty cool seeing, seeing him. I've never... <laughs> really seen him do straight stand-up i've only ever seen like ditto kiddo and all that stuff which i really like so it was how was the show it was great jason did really well his mother kind of got in his ass about doing some new material <laughs> his mom was like you know you do the same jokes like 10 years and so he got offended and did a bunch of new stuff and it actually went uh, wonderfully really jason well Jason could be the greatest guys speaking of shows a couple things going on here i will be in San Diego with the Cash Daddies, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Guess what? They're giving away a bunch of free tickets to the show because apparently Tim Dillon canceled. And uh, they thought, hey, let's put Sam in there. That's the same brand. Not really, but I guess somebody's weird thought. So if you want to see <laughs> Cash Daddies, this will be the last time in my life you will ever see me for free. Ever. I will never do it. You will never see me again. If anyone ever does that, like in LA, maybe, but on the road, this will never happen again. So come be prepared to buy some shirts, some stickers and support the guys. Uh, but come enjoy. Cause this is going to be a really fun show. American comedy company is a wonderful comedy club. It's a great place to see everybody go check that out. And then December 11th, I am live at side splitters in Tampa. So I'm going to my favorite cities. Back to back, Jacks. This 2022, my new tour is coming, and it's called The Hammer of the Gods. And uh, I'm already putting together some insane dates, so it's going to be a great time. I'm going everywhere, dude. I'm going everywhere, so I'm very excited. You just go to for all your ticketing needs. Rockfin is on fire. R-O-K-F-I-N dot com slash 
tinfoil hat, zero, broken sim, we don't smoke the same, conspiracy social club, any of those, support any of those, man, and you get all that content for free, go check it out. New t-shirt alert, was it on last time when we said it? Look at that. Yeah. Well, not only just the Raider shirt, but the anti-vax vaccine club is available. And man, it's flying off the shelves. Grab that while you can. Go grab that. Go to sandtribly.com. Go down to tinfoilhattshirts.com. They'll click click the link. It will take you right there. Uh, it's a great way to support the show. Anything else, guys? Oh, uh, yeah. Go, on. go. We just dropped Broken Sam. We talk uh, Tim Dillon versus Michael Che. We talk about Sam crop dusting people uh, on an airliner. <laughs> and uh, also, shouts to, uh, there are a lot of tinfoil fans in Indiana uh, at that show, especially, which is, I mean, had nothing to do with tinfoil. And, and some guy, literally the guy sitting next to me, just turns to me and goes, Hey, dude, what's, he heard me talking, you know? And he, I, he recognized my voice. He's like, What's your name, man? And then, like, the whole table was listening to tinfoil, and then some other dude comes walking over, like, really nervous. And I was like, hey, hey, Was bro. that weird? Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. So, it was cool. So, so they were all really cool, though, I, I, to be clear. It was well, their... the swarm are cuddlers, bro. Never yeah. forget the swarm. And they cuddler, all bro. have, like, they're in like stable relationships. It's really surprising. <laughs> <laughs> so, you want to meet any, any more swarms? We have a live. We don't smoke the same. This Saturday, yes, yeah, Saturday after Thanksgiving, and El Monte at a pizza place. It's a couple of VIP tickets. It will be worth. They will have little supplements, if you know what I mean. So buy the VIP boxes, but there's a couple of tickets left at eventbrite.com or go to my XG Marks spot. So is there, a, so they got to go to what, your your Twitter or your Instagram? Uh, they got to go to eventbrite.com and tell you, we don't think it's the same or just DM me and I'll send you to the right place. You should put that, like pin it onto your Twitter or your Instagram so people could find it simple okay uh yeah go check that all out a lot of free shows for you zero tinfoil hat broken sim conspiracy social club punch drunk sports union of the unwanted if you want to find him again go to sam all you have to do is uh touch the screen and uh go down and there's uh just banners click it will take you right to the uh, rss feed so enjoy the power of all of us I love you very much. And uh, anything else, guys? We have a great show for you. Please enjoy it and also have a great thing. Go deep, homeboy. (laughs) Eric, open your mind. (laughs) Drink from the fountain of knowledge. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, Very excited to have this next guest on. Uh, He's got a very interesting take on uh, using fiction, nonfiction to describe kind of what's going on in the world. Please welcome my good friend and soon to be yours, Travis Matier. How are you, brother? Oh, I am so, so excited to, to be here. This is a huge opportunity for me, a virtual unknown, I think. I, no one's really heard of me outside of Missoula, Montana. Don't talk about XG like that. Oh, <laughs> man, no. I, I have a poem actually for you guys that I want to get to at some point, but, um, Oh, this is great. I'm in, I'm all about that action. I'm all about well, I, I, I wrote a poem this morning for all three of you guys, because I was out walking my dog by a river. And this is something that Mark Steves and I talked about on his podcast. My family thinks I'm crazy. Um, because I like to find the people that their families think they're crazy. Cause that certainly fits, fits my bill. But, um, I wrote a poem for you guys. If you guys want to start out that way, possibly I am a poet. I went to the university of Montana. So it's, uh, it's my skill set. Does Montana have a big poetry scene? 
Yeah, the MFA program used to be very well known, kind of up there with the Iowa's workshop. So we used to be cool before Seth Bodner, the president, um, is doing a controlled demolition of the humanities. But, you know, hey, it's, it's what's happening. It's very interesting. Dude. I could see a bunch of cowboys doing slam, <laughs> slam poetry. Cowboy poetry is fantastic. The program was started by Richard Hugo, uh, this poet back in the 60s, a uh, poor guy from Seattle. Uh, so really interesting dude, actually. Um, amazing writer from back in the day. All right, man. I'm all about this. And then I, uh, then we'll get into uh, you tell uh, it's a short a little poem. bit more about you. Okay, let's It's a it. short poem. Okay. Tripoli has triple threat, not goofball combo with crystal meth, but solid wood <laughs> and burning trees with white guy Johnny and Max XG. Now hear me from a town on Zoom. I got the cron, but no more room for bullshit lips that smack and plot inverting words to gaslight thought. The seeds are sentient. We don't fear blood when tapping memory from before the flood. So thank you, because this shit's profound. And Sam, I love your knuckle sound. Dude, that was excellent. <laughs> you like that? That was yeah. wonderful. Thank you very much awesome. for that. That was we, great. I didn't know what to expect. Max expectations. That's out. my favorite part. Max when, you guys uh, um, had helped inspire me. And, and so I'm, I'm very excited to share my perspective with you guys today. So uh, you do poetry. You, you, you know, we talked a little bit before you, you do a lot of uh, you, uh, boots on the ground, helping people and stuff like that. I mean, outside of poetry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I was born in Spokane, Washington in 78. So I, I'm 43 years old and I moved to Missoula in the year 2000 with my fiance, who's now my wife. Um, so I've lived here for 21 years. I went to the University of Montana, graduated in 2003, um, tried to be a serious writer, uh, worked in the service industry, though. I worked in a restaurant for like three or four years. And then um, you know, I was a progressive. I was a liberal. I started working at a homeless shelter in 2008 as an AmeriCorps VISTA. It's like a, a government-funded program. Um, I teared up when, when Barack Obama came to speak at the Adams Center here in Missoula. Tears in my eyes. Um, and then I proceeded to be disillusioned over the next 10 years working in the nonprofit sector. So I worked directly with homeless individuals, chronic homeless individuals, so like the hardcore chronic alcoholics, meth users, um, kind of that entire spectrum of mental health and, and addiction issues. And I, I burned myself out seven years at the shelter, took some time off, worked at an area agency on aging in a call center. And then I wrote a poem and the poem was published in our local newspaper and a city councilwoman by the name of Gwen Jones really didn't like it. And she violated my first amendment rights um, by using her board member position to take me away from my paid work duties. And she had my poem cut out from the newspaper and was like, cussing at me and I ended up walking out. It was a big old problem that the HR had to deal with, but she uh, gave me a letter. So I didn't sue the organization and she signed it. Um, and, and I decided to leave my job at the nonprofit in uh, January 3rd, 2020 um, to really focus on content creation full-time, both as a citizen journalist as, and as an artist. And so my, I, my hope and plan was to do a lot of in-person performances and then like a pandemic happened and just like turned everything upside down. And I was like, oh shit, um, I better think of some other stuff to do. So I had to get more proficient with technology. I don't like technology, um, but I started a podcast uh, January 5th, uh, 2020 um, called Zoom Town originally, but now it's called Zoom Cron. And if I can't find people like Michael Wan willing to talk to me, I'll pay him to be a synchromistic for me. And then I'll get him and interview him eventually, because I'll, I'll find any way to try and talk about some of the stuff going on. Believe, and, brother. 
believe. I think it's going to happen. I think oh, it's going to happen. I I'm think you're going to get him on. A lot to unpack here. A lot well, I did, to unpack. I, I actually have talked to Michael Wan. Michael's who connect me to Mark Steves, who now got me here. So I've talked to Michael, Michael Wan. Amazing. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. His girlfriend is wonderful. They're a great power couple of uh, truth. I really enjoy talking to both of them. And I look forward to talking to them into the future. Guys, I want to tell you about our friends at True Niagen. Okay, listen, some days, you know, it's a real struggle, for sure. The good news, though, it's a lot less of those days ever since I found True Niagen. I love it. True Niagen helps fuel cell energy engines. And trust me, my engine needs some fueling, okay? Maintains cellular metabolism and even supports heart health in a combination with healthy lifestyle with 13 published human clinical studies and backed by Nobel Prize winners. Dude, you know there's a bunch of Nobel Prize winners just shredding it out right there, right? Just getting... Why Why can't I... Imagine if I had a Nobel Peace Prize and I were shredded. i get all the ladies. Okay? All of them. All of them. True Niagen is a supplement that clinically that's clinically proven to boost NAD levels, okay? The essentially cosinium, C-O-E-N-Z-Y-M-E. How do you say that? Cosinium. Coenzyme. Coenzyme. Okay, coenzyme. I like that. Required for cellular energy repair. Since taking true Niagen, I have more, res- more resilience and it helps my muscle recovery, okay? I have more zest for life and more vitality. You want to add more vitality to your life with True Niagen, okay? Right now, Noom customers can save 10% on their first purchase by going to truenigencom slash Timfall. Use the code Timfall. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N.com slash Timfall, code tinfoil to save 10% on your first purchase. That's truenigen.com slash tinfoil code tinfoil. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. So much to unpack. Uh, I think I'm going to start with the letter first, or does the homelessness, does the letter deal with the homelessness? Um, the, the letter, the letter, you said you wrote a a poem, a poem, excuse me, a poem that got into the newspaper and it pissed some people off It pissed this one lady off. Let's, let's get into like the homelessness because I know I've, I've heard this come up on a topic, um, in the past on your guys' shows. I know, um, some other, it's a really interesting area that a lot of people don't know a lot about in, um, uh, books like Michael Schellenberger's San Francisco, is really in the news now and kind of getting headlines. He was on Joe Rogan. Um, He is one of these insider kind of service providers that's now blowing the whistle on the fact that we are in this insane situation. But back in 2008, um, just at the beginning of the housing crisis, I had no idea about any of this. I didn't know what credit default swaps were and why that mattered at a a sort of micro level in our our little uh, nice mountain town. But um, I started understanding the systems in place Um, to try and get people help. But the kind of help that can sometimes come can actually put ceilings on what you can achieve and limit you. So one example, there was a single father who was working in a lighting store um, and he was offered a raise and the raise took him just above the limit that would drop him significantly in food assistance. And so he actually had to tell his boss, hey, I'm sorry, I can't afford this raise. 
Um, it actually doesn't, you know, balance out for what I'm getting to, to feed my kids. And, and so navigating the systems became a, a kind of fascination for me. Um, I have a, I, I have a story. Um, I mean, I was the homeless outreach coordinator for a long time. And so part of my uh, deal was working in the, with the public, trying to get college students to not give money to homeless people, because I actually had these anecdotal stories from the ground that would sort of drive home the point. And like one of the stories I would oftentimes say, I, I sat down with this homeless guy I knew pretty well for about three or four hours one Friday night. And so when these college kids would be looking at me for my insights and my expertise, I would say, hey, kids. You know, you see this old decrepit guy, he's sitting on the sidewalk and you want to throw money at him. It's Friday night. You're feeling good and drunk. I'm like, I sat next to this guy for three hours. One night, someone gave him a $20 bill. Someone gave him $4. Someone bought him food and brought him nachos. A young woman showed her tits. You know, I'm like, oh, wow, this is like entertainment. This is food. This is money. And then I was like, hey, kids, what you don't see is that that dude takes that money and he sends it with the young native guy that's going to go get that pint of vodka. The vodka is communal. Everyone takes a, a drink. Um, the young native is going to get drunk enough to go beat up other homeless people on the river trail later that night. Um, no one's going to care about that because it's, the violence is just among the homeless population. Who gives a fuck, right? Um, and then that old guy is going to be like waiting at the, at the liquor store at eight o'clock in the morning so that he doesn't go into a seizure um, and bring the EMTs and the medics at thousands of dollars an hour to, to take him to the ER. Um, and so I have all of these anecdotal stories that I would use to try and change behavior. Uh, but the systems are so fucked, I just got burned out. So that's a very interesting thing, because I do give away a lot of money to the to the homeless. And and I, I, I've been taught it by a gentleman I had on here. And it was kind of this model of abundance the, the, that wasn't his saying. I got that from another guest. But the mob abundance is like, give it away, right? Give it away. And my question, you know, it is like, so if I give this guy $20, right? Let's say normally someone would give anywhere from a couple bucks, five bucks, and I give it to them. And then they go use it to use drugs. Am I helping or am I hurting the situation? And I often sit there and I'd love to hear your opinion on because I'm really into you know, okay, let me just finish this thought and I'll get into what I'm really into when I discuss the homeless, but am I helping or hurting this guy? And for me, and I love to hear anybody else's opinion on this, that's not part of my equation, whether I'm helping or hurting this person. I don't know what this person's going to do with this $5. If this person uses this kind, this act of kindness and uses it to just continue the patterns that he's in, I can't change that and for that moment maybe that's what that gentleman needs you talk about you know he's going to have a seizure and stuff like that and you know no this isn't condemning anything you're saying I'm just, this is just my feeling i'd love to hear what you're saying is that oh. i'm not there to tell that guy how to use the kindness of others that is up to him and if he continues to do that then there's nothing we can do with that and we've all watched homeless people in a certain area deteriorate into less and less and less and that is their 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 journey um but for me man i just feel like the act of kindness is is what we're all here for to give it away to help others and what they choose to use it for is kind of their their energy what are your what are your thoughts well absolutely that? so i mean i would never discourage someone in the moment um if the spirit is moving them to have a human interaction with another human um, I, I would say have a conversation at some level first, maybe to kind of feel it out. 
Um, you know, I like to also be upfront with my own prejudices and biases because we all have them. Um, mine is from direct experiences and it, for, from people on the street. And I tend to be kind of cynical. But lately, as I've been now as a citizen journalist talking with um, people on the streets, trying to understand the meth trade that's happening here in this town, um, you know, there's been some times where I've given money specifically because of this guy. It was early in the day. He was shaking. He needed to actually get a drink. Um, and I support a person getting a drink if they need it at that level. Um, I've put homeless people uh, on buses myself to other communities. Um, so I've actually been engaged in that kind of behavior. But the difference is I, I found a family member in Florida. This guy was like retired in Missoula is what he kept on telling me. But he was drunk enough where he gave me a, his sister's phone number one day. So I called the sister and he was like on a lease in a condo in Florida. And I'm like, hey, dude. Uh, we can't handle your, 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 your retirement here. So I got him on a, on a bus to, to Florida, but I made sure he left with uh, like three or four small little bottles of vodka because I didn't want him going into like withdrawals on the way and get lost in the Midwest or something. I wanted him to get back home and get to the family, you know? Um, so I, I think it's, it's in the moment, whatever you feel is, is what's going to be good. And, and it's not me to judge what they're going to do with it. If I want to give some money, if I'm doing it out of love and support um, in that bigger picture, we are small little specks in the, in the in much bigger picture. And so I would encourage you to do what the, what the spirit moves you to do, Sam. So, and this kind of gets into a, a, a subject I've been wanting to talk about in the show so much is like, how do we deal with the homeless. How do we do it? I've tried to have so many people come on to talk about, we had a, a friend of mine named Chris, he came on talked about the, you know, what he's doing with veterans and that's great. Uh, but I'm really about like, what and veterans are a big part of this. Um, oh yeah. The, the, the crippling problem that these democratic cities are having with homelessness. Now I say democratic because in, you kind of touched on this. Giuliani didn't clean up New York city. What he did, well, he did in a way in sense that he took the homeless, put them on buses and sent them to liberal cities to deal with it. And it happens all the time in California. We are constantly the, the dump of other states problems yep and and that's what makes me laugh about this whole narrative about california is you have all these states mocking our homeless situation when in reality we are taking your problem and and I, there's a point that i go yeah let's figure this out if you don't want to take them you're in the cold you think it's a bad place for them to be we have all this here let's try to fix it but the problem is you got somebody like gavin newsom who is like, send us your homeless, <laughs> send. And you're like, you're never going to have to deal with any of this, Newsome. Yeah, Where yeah. you live and all the shady shit you do, this never comes into your life. Yep. And we have a situation here where you have people, especially liberals, older liberals from about, let's say, 30 and up, who are constantly complaining about homelessness, crime, skyrocketing prices of everything but yet refuse to not vote for the people who are making these policies yeah that the the identity politics of of r versus d right versus left is stronger than their desire to make their their community better so my question to you is like what are your thoughts on how we deal with this like because i think 
there's two different types of homeless, right? There is, there is the person who life went bad and they fell through the cracks and they don't want to be there. And I hear these stories all the time in recovery. And then there's the people that just love living outside. And how do you deal with those two? And how do we save the ones who want to get saved? And then how do we deal with the ones that don't want to be saved? Yeah, and it's, you know, I actually have the answer, and the answer is simple. And, oh, sorry, extra. I'll, I'll just say it really quick. Actually, are you muted? Okay, go on. You have to have a carrot and a stick. You have to have, uh, you have to have actual treatment programs, but you have to have the consequences uh, for people that are just being so antisocial and committing such, um, you know, so many crimes. And so a carrot and a stick. It's really not that difficult, actually. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Lucy and their new Lucy Capsule Nicotine Pouches. Okay, look, we're all adults here. Okay, and some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind. And that's why Lucy's excited to tell you about their Lucy Nicotine Capsule Pouches that are a flavored ball inside each pouch that crush for an extra burst of flavor. Okay. Burst, bang, a party in your mouth. Guess what, Xavier? And everybody's coming, okay? Lucy nicotine capsule pouches include coconut oil to provide a soft, fluffy texture that enhances the flavor and doesn't dry out your mouth. They come in two strengths, okay? Four and eight milligrams. Oh, bam! Huh? It's going hard in the paint. And they have three exclusive delicious flavors spearmint mango and cool cider dude cool i love so here's what we're gonna do it's 2021 don't compromise when you're choosing your nicotine product go with the newest tobacco free options from lucy tinfoil hat listeners listen go to lucy.co and use the promo code tin foil to get 20% off your order of Lucy nicotine capsule pouches or any other Lucy products. Okay. That's lucy.co and use the promo code tin foil at checkout. Okay. And that's tin foil one word. Also, I have to give this disclaimer warning. The product contains non-tobacco nicotine. Nicotine is an addicted chemical. That's lucy.co and be sure to use the promo code Tim for. So what I was saying, uh, when I lived in Anaheim, in front of the Angel Stadium, there was a riverbed full of homeless people. Their solution, obviously, it's in front of the Angel Stadium. They were harassing people that were going to the game. Their solution was give these people hotels. They gave them two weeks hotels, so they gave them a place to party, and they cleaned the place up. It looks great now. You can drive your, back, your bike right past it, but now these people just went somewhere else. But no one got cleaned up. And people thought that's a solution. What, like, yeah. what do you do? Well, that, that you- goes is out of sight, out of mind. That's what that is. And that's what they did. You know, the internet wasn't what it was when Giuliani was running everything. So nobody goes, where do these homeless people go? Oh, they're, they're, they're one time taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One time on, on my John. street, this the, next to this park uh, in LA in West Hollywood, that just one day, a camp appeared tents. I mean, lining the street just one day. And what we found out a couple weeks later was that they had, they were all living in an abandoned building and the abandoned building got cleared out. And suddenly they just sprouted up like turnips on uh, I think turnips are in the ground, aren't they? Like, uh, I don't know, grass. Uh, and, and, and what they did was it took months and months and they were, they would, they would have like live, live news helicopters there watching them fight in the streets and like in this nice neighborhood, you know, that was really peaceful. Uh, 
they've and I and this may be a way they deal with it in other places too, but the because they're not allowed to move them in LA, they have this loophole that they use. They are allowed to move anybody's property if they are doing street cleaning. And so what they do is put up these notices saying, Hey, if your property is on the street, on the sidewalk, it's gonna get chucked out or you you know, you you're in trouble. And they just cleaned every day for, for two weeks. Uh, so that they and then finally they all had to go find somewhere else. And I'm sure now they're, you know, down at Venice or somewhere like that. But well, yeah, let me give just... you some let me give you some really interesting perspective, because I can like b- both point to how I was a major part of a solution in a um, outdoor homeless encampment area. And then I can um, describe what happened after I left my job and it all went to fucking hell. Um, this is brilliant because um, in the Reserve Street area. So in Missoula, uh, Reserve, Reserve Street is kind of like one of the main thoroughfares that goes to like the box stores is kind of west of the downtown core. Um, and so under bridges, around bridges tend to be these areas that are jurisdictionally problematic. And so fish, wildlife parks and city and county and private land, it's a patchwork of jurisdictions. And that allows people to kind of point the finger. In my job, I never really worried about that. I said, okay, what can we do to actually just do do some cleanup. And so I collaborated with the health department um, with a nonprofit called the Clark Fort Coalition. Um, and we all got together twice a year to do a major cleanup. I made sure that everyone knew it was going to happen beforehand. So two or three weeks ahead of time, I'd go out there and I went out there year round, um, actually forming those relationships with people. So they would start to trust me. I would give out socks and sack lunches and all this stuff. Um, but we would make sure people knew the cleanup was happening. And I tell you, we cleaned up tons of trash, seven to eight tons of trash that would accumulate between, you know, eight, nine months in this pretty spread out area. Um, but it was a it was a balance, kind of an equilibrium. The the homeless folks that I would talk to would be like, hey, this is a one day cleanup. Realistically, you pitch your tent again. You know, we're not going to like harass you. We're just going to come and do it uh, in like four or five more months. Um, and so I left my job and the first cleanup they did, um, the, the newspaper decided to be there. There wasn't a good relationship with the nonprofit I used to work at and the newspaper. And so they had this tearful picture of this woman crying. And I'm saying that cynically because I looked really closely and you see the glass pipe in her hand. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, yeah. and the shelter was, uh, was zero tolerance at the time. And, and in, the, in the article, she, she's doing this sob story like, I can't sleep with my husband at the homeless shelter. That's why we're out here. It's like, yeah, because there's a lot of domestic violence situations. And so, you know, couples can't sleep in the same dorms. Sorry. Um, but because of this bad publicity, everyone got scared and was like, no, we can't do this to the poor homeless people. And I'm just like, what the fuck? No, yeah. you have to make the distinctions between the, and Sam, what you were talking about in terms of um, different populations. There's a lot more than just two, but for uh, general purposes, there's year-round sort of chronic homeless people that the community usually knows, and the transient seasonal population that comes through, for us, is the warm weather months. And I very much make those distinctions because the people I worked with on the ground were scared a lot of times of the seasonal people that would come through. And I can tell you about some murders um, and FBI most wanted shit that I was involved in during my time. No, well, yeah, of course we want to hear about all that. I mean, it's crazy shit. I mean, we'll get into that. So 100%. So, you know, the question is, okay, so Montana, I'm going to assume it's conservative. It's conservative mostly, but uh, Missoula is that liberal enclave. um, It's the Austin of Montana. Exactly. 100%. And, And here are big issues when you have that, is that you get a concentration of one group. It's, you know, it's kind of like when you look at a jelly donut and there's that red right there. Well, that's what it is with liberals in Texas, right? 
They're just like, they all, they're like, I can't take this. And, you know, it's so interesting because they just all go to Austin. Now, I know that Texas is considered uh, a red state, but, you know, I've been to Texas a lot lately through stand-up. I think it's conservative in the sense that it is, you know, don't tax me, don't take my guns, and, you know, don't touch my children, which I don't know why that, that, that last one is considered conservative, but it is. So, and the point being is that it's kind of this thing that I see is going on that I would put myself into, which is this kind of uh, overlapping of old school liberal and libertarian. Because you can get as weird as you want in Texas. I mean, it's not like it's Bible thumping stuff. There is that aspect if you want it. But it is pretty laid back, open-minded, have fun, get weird, do what you want to do. Again, just don't take my guns and don't tax me, which, you know, I'm totally open-minded to. So what gets really scary is you get this group of people, these super liberals, right? And they get together. Most of them come from middle, upper class. So they don't have any real world like experience, like what kind of you're talking about, which is like FBI murder stuff that's going on. So everything they see is through these idealistic rose colored glasses. And what they think they're doing is they're helping people by allowing them to turn every block into a shithole. And to me, you're not helping people. You're actually allowing them to continue a certain lifestyle that is not beneficial to them in the long run. And you're actually hurting them. But the problem is that these, these groups, they, and this is what I think conservatives do better than the liberal side, and I am liberal, okay, is they're, they're really good at getting rid of their crazies. Like the Republican Party, say whatever you want about them, and I can go off on them forever. But they got rid of that super duper, like beyond crazy, religious, you know, extremists that were like yelling about gays and all that stuff that people are like, dude, live and let live. Right. The, the, the liberal side, the, well, the progressives, are, it's going to be really hard for them to get that because their whole identity is based on, you know, supporting the little guy. And right now, the little guys are blue haired, batshit non-binary fucking whack jobs okay and they're just destroying it and they're they're flooding austin and they're allowing chaos to happen while they complain about how unsafe it is to be a woman how unsafe it is to be a gay how unsafe this is unsafe that is all the while refusing to do anything about it because that could be deemed as conservative stuff am i close on that at all well, you know, in Montana, um, it's interesting. Montana Democrats um, were sort of the Hillary Clinton money launderers, and and they're they're part of like the new party from the the '90s in Missoula, anyways. And so they've dominated this kind of neoliberal, like we're corrupt, but we have the nice messaging PR stuff going. So yes, um, yes. And, and there's enough college turnover in this town that no one sticks around long enough um, to actually have a memory of what what's what's transpired. But I'll give you a perfect example of one of the things happening in Missoula. Okay, and that's the the refugee relocation program. So I was a critic five or six years ago when they reopened the office here because I was working at a shelter and I was like, hey guys, 
5% vacancy rate in the rental market, maybe not a great place to be bringing the Congolese, you know, fleeing wars. Um, and, and so, of course, you know, no one listens to me. But um, I remember one of the articles that, that, that we had families like in planes arriving and this, this lady from New York City who was working in the office out here was like, hey, Missoula, we have families arriving and we can't do like co-sign the lease and they don't have any rental history and they don't have any credit and, and oh my gosh, we can't find property management companies that are going to rent to them. And I'm sitting there with like a full homeless shelter thinking, hey, did you guys think about talking to any service provider in this town before you decided that we needed to become the, the white saviors of um, all of the foreign wars? But I know that liberals here in this town love their food trucks and they love authentic ethnic food trucks. And so maybe that was part of the motivation is like, you know, hey, bring them to get the food trucks going. Um, but ultimately now we have an Afghan refugee um, who was accused of rape. So he's accused of a sexual assault. Uh, he took a white girl, um, not that the race of the girl matters, but uh, he took this girl to a hotel and allegedly sexually assaulted her. For the news, it does. For the news. Right, really I know. Does. I know, especially in our town. But it's <laughs> um, it's weird because I'm trying to get people in this town to also at the same time with their virtue signaling to actually care about murders that have happened at the homeless shelter of a black man. I'm trying to get them to care about. Dude, a, a, if they get rid crazy. of murders, what podcasts are they going to listen to? Excellent point, Sam. I mean, it's unbelievable that that kind of like, oh, my God, we got to feel for people, love people and then run home and listen to murder entertainment. No, but you're completely and utterly right. dude. You're completely and utterly right. And so much of this, this like liberal movement is really just theatrics. Yeah, it's just so when they go back to their homes where, you know, in neighborhoods, where their rich husbands or their rich wives or whoever they are there. And, you know, they call their grand, their father and their grandfather who completely and utterly participated in the patriarchy, right? They can all feel better about themselves and it's never getting anything really done. It's never getting anything really done, but my God, if you're like a male comic who, Ask a uh, female feature for a blowjob. Oh my God, you're the fucking new Hitler, right? But it's like when a guy runs, uh, you know, some dude who who raped five children, dropped the N bomb multiple times before he got shot, uh, dies. Suddenly, you're like, Oh my God, why? Why do we live in this kind of world? One of the great things about um, how I'm approaching my activism and my journalism in this town and my in my art is because it's really difficult for the uh, entrenched political establishment. Our mayor has been in power for 16 years and he just won his fifth term. So he's going to be around for 20. Um, but it's very hard for them to smear me because I worked at a homeless shelter for seven years. And I'm, I'm talking from my direct experiences um, working with, with a lot of these different populations. And so um, I... I'm in this unique position now where I'm trying to bring attention to how nonprofits are pushing a political agenda, but it's also weird because you mentioned um, sort of kind of crazy right-wing Christian. Well, a lot of the, the places I'm going to now and talking to people is in these Christian congregations, and I just was at this very interesting um, sort of, uh, it, it, it's some kind of right-wing Christian groups came to support this uh, guy in a local church because mm -hmm. 
he tried to pull out of a food uh, food sack program because our, our Missoula food bank decided to put some inserts, some LGBT inserts in the in the lunches. And some people in this church got upset about it. And so because this guy pulled out of the lunch program, now he's also a realtor and the, the realtors organization is trying to cancel him because he said like this is hate speech. And so I decided to, to support free speech and go and support this guy. But, man, there were some anti LGBT kind of uh, rhetoric from some of these right-wing pastors, unfortunately. Well, you know, that is defined too. You know, I go, I go on the road. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, religious people there that just want to, you know, and the more and more I study spirituality and religion, the more and more I realize it's a personal thing and I'm not going to get into God business. Now that, that's just me. That's not everybody. Of course, I can't really say anything about that. Um, but, uh, you know, the really like the Westboro Baptist Church and stuff right. like that, like that kind of craziness that was going on forever. That's it. You know, again, I say it all the time. and I'm going to say it again. Red states are the best states to do stand up in. And I know that's a weird prism to look through everything because it affects my life directly. But I, I tend to say, you know, the people that are more laughing at crazier stuff tend to have a, a unique view of the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's my whole thing that I, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that people telling people how to live their life through some religious spectrum are, are any kind of holy roller and anybody that 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 walks on water. Well, the, the, these, are, these, are the, these are the people I can get weird with now when I want to talk about transhumanism right. and demon possession. It's like, yeah, hey, I think some of these it. homeless folks are like taking meth and actually having walk in demon possession. It's like the churches are the where I can go and actually kind of find some people that are willing to take that seriously instead of just look at me like I'm insane. It's like, no, like, listen, I'm, I'm seeing some shit here and it's fucking crazy. Dude, you're bringing up great. And I really want to get into that stuff too. Yeah. So I'm just clarifying that I'm not yeah. anti-religious people and I have oh, no course. problems with, and guess what? I'm really kind of like, I mean, like I, my whole thing is when it comes to children, we don't need to be pushing any kind of lifestyle on anybody. Let kids be kids, let them figure it out. And if a kid decides that he is gay, there should be places for him to go to talk to people about that. But we're not going to change an entire way of raising children because suddenly a couple rich people think the game has to change. And that's my whole thing. So I totally understand that. If you're just trying to feed people and then you're just shoving like trans stuff into these packages, I just, I just, it's just like, what are we doing here? Here's an interesting area where I can kind of be a bridge because, you know, while I saw this pastor in this congregation talk about transhumanism, I've also interviewed Allison McDowell um, because Allison McDowell in her research is absolutely mind blowing, even though she's sort of anti-crypto and, you know, which I don't want to get into that since, you know, that she's very sensitive about crypto. But um, Allison McDowell, when I talked to yeah, her, I don't think she'll come on the show because it's on rock. Then she won't, unfortunately. And, and that's unfortunate because, you know, these are tools that we can use. And I have a little bit of crypto. That's why I got a little uh, frustrated that she was such a, a purist. Um, and Derek Bros is amazing. Um, Ryan Christian is amazing. I, I'm a subscriber of Rockfin. I mean, I really value where the content um, is giving me the most information. And so, um, you know, I am excited about the, the possibilities of using tools. And I'm not a big fan of technology. My kids, I have three kids and I battled the screen every fucking day. 
every day. Remote learning for them is very difficult. And when I think about transhumanism, I think about grooming behavior of predators and sociopaths because working at a shelter, you know, you see the people that need help. But guess what? A lot of people come to the shelter because they're kind of um, looking to find victims. Um, and, you know, I've, I've actually had conversations with uh, clients that I, I, are legitimate victims of mind control kind of conditioning from the 60s and 70s. Um, and that no one takes them seriously. But I was like, on the phone, yeah, I do. I'm familiar with MK Ultra client. Yes, I, I am familiar. Oh, you were you were conditioned to starve yourself when triggered with verbal programming. Oh, wow. I, I believe you. So. so much of what you're talking about is some, there's a lot to get in on that. First of all, and this is where it get, I mean, homelessness is dark. This is even darker. Oh, yeah. So much of these people out here were foster kids that probably disappeared and were put through a grinder that most of us would never understand. And that's that's another reason why I give them like I do, because I know that a lot of these people out here, you see them, they have this kind of disconnect. Yeah, that is just like, I don't know if all the love in the world could fix that at this point, because what they've gone through when they, you know, so it's like, you know, everybody could be pro life. And that's great. And, you know, when I went, I forget what his name is, I went on a show, and he's asking me about, you know, am I pro life or pro choice? And I, you know, I, again, I get to the point where I'm like, I don't like the government tell anybody what to do with their body. I'm not going to make I'm not going to do mental gymnastics because I don't necessarily agree with one thing or the other way. It starts, the government doesn't tell anyone to do it. But just know that a lot of these kids who come through that are, are brought to birth and put up to foster kids care, they disappear every year, hundreds yep. of thousands. And people don't think that number is real. That number is 100% real. And something happens to those kids. Oh, and what about Go ahead. Order. How about the kids on the border? How many kids those disappear? No one's going to account for those, and those are just lost. They died on the river, trafficking. They're just gone. They're going to put in somewhere some MK Ultra. It's, it's going to get weird. Yeah, and it's and, already and, gotten weird. Unfortunately, my cynicism. Um, you know, there's a lot of focus now on on missing Indigenous women, and so um, one of the things that that informs my cynicism is sort of watching watching uh, the predictive programming of fiction, like True Detective. Um, and from what I understand from the first season of True Detective is you create a task force um, to cover up stuff, not necessarily to find things, but to cover up stuff. So oh, locally, snaps. well, locally, there was an opportunity for me. To, I, I like to insert myself where I don't have any business really actually being, you know. And so there was this task force with these important people, you know, like part of the state and local jurisdictions talking about um, this really attractive missing indigenous woman. And I think she got a, a attention because she's really attractive. That's part of it. Right. It's a, she was a sexy one to sell in terms of a missing person. And so there's a task force and there's money. And I joined this Zoom meeting and I was like, hi, I used to work at the homeless shelter. I'm trying to do a volunteer cleanup at the reserve street camps, um, but I'm being blocked by United Way of Missoula County and people like Susan Haypatrick. Could you help me? Because I found the, the ID of a Salish Kootenai woman, a young woman in the trash out at this homeless camp. And having worked at the shelter, I know these no-go zones are places that people disappear. So if you can just like help us do some volunteering, um, it might actually help your missing indigenous task force. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, which is fucking bullshit because um, you under-resource the local 
efforts to find people. Um, and there's, there's reasons for that. And there's a, a missing woman right now, Rebecca Barsati, that I've um, talking to the family because she went missing in July west um, of Missoula. And I am increasingly suspicious of what is happening in the rural parts of our county and what's going on with meth trafficking. Um, and, it's, and, and the local authorities aren't doing anything about it um, for good reason, I think, but it's crazy. We are finding more and more that these task force are not there to do anything uh that i mean like the finders i mean that i now i should take that back i, I there's fbi doing stuff i i believe there's right? good people there's good people within law enforcement yeah, right. there are. there's good people that, you know I mean, did you know that did you know that the gabby partita uh case her followers found her not even the police that's how much her followers were more important about her they were saw her missing where's the last place she went started connecting dots it had nothing to do with the fbi it wasn't even missing person. It was her fans that like made a big deal about it that made it more of a of a thing. Yep. I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you this. I I I have bat. I have a, a in, intuition. I have bats. I have bat signals. I mean, my spider senses. Excuse me. Yeah. And there is something to that case, to this Kyle Rittenhouse case, to this guy driving through the 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 christmas parade that makes me it reeks of psyops and i you know it's like johnny i sent you some pictures i don't want to get into what exactly they were but it's like it's if that's if this written house is a psyop what is this how how do they do that like do so, they set this yeah. thing in motion and this guy sacrifices his arm, and then this becomes a thing. I mean, we know the George Floyd. There's so much stuff about the George Floyd case that doesn't make sense. Like when it supposedly go down, when it goes down, nobody in the picture or the videos wear masks. Nobody's wear masks. Everybody in the world was masked up at that moment. Not one person in the video is masked, which makes you wonder: Did it happen at the time they wanted it? That they said it happened. And if, if, yeah, if, you know, sorry, no, I don't mean to interrupt you, Sam. I, I just, I, I'm so eager to, by the way, perspective. you could totally interrupt me because I've been doing that to everybody lately. So I deserve it. So go on. One of the things I think might be happening and I, um, I love Monica Perez and Brad Binkley of the propaganda report. I think that that's some of the best sort of daily or weekday stuff, um, that I listen to that gives me an idea of what some of these trends might be because um, they are I'll, great. A lot of what is happening is is um, taking us away from doing things in person, in real life, directly with people. And so if you're putting energy in being like an armchair sleuth um, from some case in some other state or other part of the country, you know, there's now Netflix shows that 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 cat one where where all of these um, sort of like citizen journalists, like not citizen journalists, because that's kind of what I'm trying to do. But um, these these sort of activated online sleuths it's a whole trend it's become a whole phenomenon and if we just are doing the surveillance state work for this surveillance state that you know panopticon kind of thing that's descending i'm a huge fan of taking synchronicities and i've talked to mark about this and michael wan and jason horsley is another great synchronistic um and it's not about just like watching movies and finding illuminati symbolism you have to go in person in your own life and see on the ground what is happening i uh, i did a higher side chat oh and then i'll stop talking for a second um i did a higher side chat meetup uh just last friday and i met this this new guy who has this piece of the local puzzle and it, it was amazing and it's because i'm going out there in person talking to people in the flesh in meat space 
place. Um, so much of what's happening, even with like the Travis Scott uh, Houston thing, right? Which kind of annoyed me on, on November 5th, I celebrated 16 months of not drinking alcohol. I'm a Travis and this Travis Scott guy does like some satanic, you know, ritual. But um, part of what Monica Perez and Binkley were talking about is this is going to scare kids from doing things in person, having like um, in-person experiences. And so just join the metaverse and go online and just be part of this metaverse. It's like, fuck that, man. Oh yeah. I told, I, you know, for a guy who has daughters that are uh, under two years old, like, the metaverse will be in full swing by the time they're old enough to understand what that is and what the implications of that are. And, you know, I, I don't think that Facebook's metaverse is going to be the one that is going to work because I think the one that really goes is going to be a more decentralized one or appear as decentralized, you know, kind of like the internet versus, you know, Facebook, yeah. which is control by Facebook. Why would you want to go in to Facebook's metaverse where they're running everything and making it a dollar off of everything when you go to the decentralized one and where it's like nobody owns it. Yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that. 100% everything. I mean, you, and here's, here's what's really interesting going back to blue states, red states. You're seeing comedians, especially quote unquote liberal comics are going into states and 30% of their crowd isn't showing up to their shows. They're <laughs> buying tickets and not showing up. Whereas yeah. you go to red states, they're full on participating, living their life. Florida, Oklahoma has now gotten rid of all any, you don't have to have any kind of a vaccine mandate going on. It's happening more yeah. and more and more. And we're seeing it happen more and more. But then, you know, we, we talk about this, uh, I've talked about this on other shows. So everybody's leaving California, right? But why yeah. is the price of property going up more and more in California? Well, because everybody's leaving California and thinks these policies are nuts and they're going to other states that are doing the opposite. Well, in those other states where everything is being, quote, unquote, done correctly, no mandates, no nothing, there's people there that think it's crazy and they're moving to California. Yeah. So now we're getting more and more siloed than ever. More and more, you're going to have one state just packed full of idiots and another state that's just packed full of people who are quote unquote awakened. And it's just it, what's going to happen. I think that the, the way that the debt is going to be used, uh, Allison McDowell, again, her research is amazing. And I, when I talked to Allison, I was talking about some of the stuff happening already among the homeless population, getting into services. Like I, I remember running into this native American guy and, uh, and he was telling me kind of under his breath, he's like, Hey, Travis, I'm in this unit. I think they're watching me. And I'm like, what do you mean? He, he tore off the panel and they found like a camera inside this panel. And it's like a Salt Lake city funded program. So it's like Mormon connected or something. And, and, you know, there, there was this way of, of, I think, taking this debt and operationalizing it that was happening for service providers um, sort of early on, um, and not, not necessarily debt, but some of these uh, technology solutions and programs. So an example really quick, um, you know, working with chronic alcoholics and drug users, there's, there's anything that we can do when I was working in the shelter that would be a, a, a help, 
you know, to, to a service would be beneficial. And so we're so desperate. We're just wanting anything that can work. Right. And so I remember when this University of Wisconsin program came and said, hey, we're, we're developing this app. It's great. It's 24 seven in your hand. It's got like your your support system. It's got information on YouTube you can watch. It's got geolocation. So if you go place, if you go to the place where you score, um, it'll send like a, an alert you know, to, and, and so it was like this, like 24 seven technology solution to a, to an addict to not, you know, relapse. And I'm like, okay, if it works, it works, you know, I'm not going to criticize anything that might work. Um, but this is where that, that dialectic, um, I don't know if that's the right term, but the problem reaction solution, um, where I'm now in this mindset of like, okay, um, you're allowing or creating the problems to steer the reaction towards your transhumanist solution. Um, yes. and, I, and, and it's, it's so mind blowing now to, to look at some of the stuff that I used to um, advocate for and see it as this well-intentioned path towards a totalitarian control system. Um, and I, I now am just like, we have got to resist um, now in person, you have to go, uh, and I hear this talked about a lot on podcasts, go understand your city council, your county uh, attorney, your county sheriff. Okay. Um, you a have to do to that. A yeah. Lot to yeah. So that's another thing. I want to talk about three more things real quick. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I want to talk about how my favorite thing is when uh, an app, you go on, you download a new app and it goes, the, the app would like to track you. Uh, sure. Yes. Let it or ask it, uh, ask it to please not which is not saying it won't, it's just saying, <laughs> ask it not to. And then just like probably every fucking app is just like every AI, blue haired, nose pierce, hoops, fucking beta, fuck non-binary cock will be like, no, I'm following you. And then it's tracking you. It doesn't say it's not going to track you. Yeah, it just yeah. says, ask it not to. Hey, could you not track me? Now nah, I'm tracking you. I'm tracking you. So that's a big thing. And that's happening more and more. And it's not weird apps. You're like, some of these apps, you're like, why is the sound box sound effect app wanting to track me? <laughs> like, what are you yeah. getting out of that sound box sound effect app? What is that about? Well, think but about that app, though. Think about what the, a lot of those apps where you just get something for free. You know, yeah. like, oh, this is cool. Thanks for that. They're making their money somehow. They're not just giving you your data. Effects, you know what I mean? Exactly, dude. They're selling your location data. Yeah. That's the logic. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. That's right. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. Google. That's Google. Well, that's what I tell my kids because the way, you know, Sam, my, my youngest, uh, my, my little girl is five. And so she watches Netflix. I'm not going to be the parent that says, no, you can't do this um, because it, it didn't work for me. Right. Parental advisory stickers were the albums I went to go uh, seek out and listen to Marilyn Manson and smoke weed in the basement and get depressed. Um, but and so I, I'm not going to just deny it for my kids. But I, I sit there and I watch the program that my little girl's watching. And it's like it starts off in real life and it's a real girl and a real horse. And then she has this wearable wrist thing and it goes into the augmented reality where the fairies are always, of course, shaped you know and this is where they are being groomed at this sort of like you know entertainment level um and and i'm you have to kind of work with it i think you can't just you know put your foot down and say you can't do this but at the same time i'm like this is insidious what they are slowly moving into place 
um, and using a, a, a pandemic and all of this manipulation and fear. You know, I went through the fear fog in the first couple of months, but um, I stopped drinking alcohol at a certain point, realizing that this was a, a war being declared on us by sociopaths and that I had to fucking level up myself. Um, for my kids sake, because, um, you know, I, I wrote last December, they're going to be coming for for the kids, you know, um, and that's my red line. And now I'm like, okay, this is actually how you have to put some things in place. Because, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had my, my mom pick up my kids because the vax clinic was happening in their school. And I didn't want them to, to accidentally just go into one of the rooms and get, you know, jabbed by some well intended um, crazy person, you know, so it's it's at a level now that's pretty intense. And they've been doing that forever, dude. I mean, yeah. I was pitching TV shows very early, a long time ago, uh, to MTV. And I remember one time the guy goes, how does this entertain 13-year-old girls? And I would think <laughs> about what was on television on MTV at the time. I'm like, you know, uh, teenage moms and stuff like that. And how, like, lowbrow, awful that programming is. And the reason it's a big deal, the reason it's a big deal is because if you can really kneecap somebody early on, it makes it so hard yeah. for people to pick themselves back up. The best example is this movement of rappers who tattoo their face. And yeah. out of nowhere, you just start seeing everybody with t face tattoos. And you know where else you see that all the time? The homelessness. It's not universal, but it's close. I mean, so many of these people have home, have face tattoos. How hard is it to go to a job? Yeah. I mean, even like Burger King and get a job. Hey, hi, welcome. I have a, I have a unicorn on my cheek. Can I, no, <laughs> can I get you a hamburger? Right. They don't like any of that. So it, it, this stuff is meant to cripple you make bad decisions. You know, when you, when you watch, you know, Miley Cyrus on her early days in the MTV movie awards, where she's literally going ass to ass with another girl. These this, these movements, these 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 acts are done to monkey see monkey do. Well, well, no, think about it. Think about the face tattoos. Okay, think about this in a different in a different way a bit. Okay, um, if you uh, take the premise that we are moving into this open air prison planet. Okay, they're going to actually deinstitutionalize prisons because they're done with those kind of brick building um, prisons. It's going to be a more open air surveillance prison. Um, maybe it's a nice visual cue for you to see more people with face tattoos because that'll be a subtle, unconscious reminder that you are now part of that prison planet. You are um, in, in more consistent, direct proximity. And one of the things happening locally is county attorneys like our county attorney, Kirsten Pabst, um, who had a book written about her love of rapists. Um, I say that kind of hyperbolically. Um, she's defended some rapists in the past in ways that were very controversial. Um, but but um, a book by John Krakauer was written about Missoula and the rape problem um, and the non-prosecution of rape cases. And one of the things that I'm looking into is a, a, a sort of like a systemic or systemic way of not prosecuting more and more crimes. And so um, the latest podcast that I just put up, I'll, I'll put up actually later today, talks about Kirsten Pabst specifically um, and gets into some of her messaging about why um, it's important to steer uh, would-be criminals to uh, diversion programs. One of the things about Montana, though, is we don't have a lot of services for these programs. Like Montana is unique in the fact that we have about a million people in this entire state. 
Um, and that is a small number when you think about the huge size of the state. That's on um, my block. I have a million people on my block. Exactly. You know, and so that's one of the things I try and explain, like Montana doesn't have the services and programs. And so what Kirsten Paps is essentially saying is we are going to not go after um, some cases. And there was examples. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm looking into is the death of Sean Stevenson. Um, and Sean Stevenson was a, a man um, using homeless services at the Pavarello Center, and he was assaulted on January 3rd, 2020. He was taken to the hospital and removed from life support on January 5th without his family ever being notified. Um, the, the alleged assailant, Johnny Lee Perry, he was shot and killed by sheriff deputies on August 29th of this year. Um, I still have yet to learn the names of the sheriff deputies involved in shooting him. Um, there are things that are happening with non-prosecution to the point where I'm starting to think in terms of like the, the, the face tattoos, because I see um, those kind of folks on the streets more and more. I'm starting to understand the county detention facility locally is almost being a place where I think people are going to re-up uh, to get their energy, to get some, some stability, to get back out in the game. Because um, what I think is happening with cartel um, activity in small towns is substantial. I think on a bigger picture, you have the Biden administration allowing the, the sort of um, controlled demolition of this country will be a local or will be a regional hegemon. And I think Biden has a, a lot of interesting ties to some of the organized criminal elements that are coming through the borders. I really think that they are doing some very nefarious shit. Um, and small towns like Missoula are not immune. I mean, the motel system is where they're trafficking humans, you know, uh, young, young boys and girls. Um, it's part of the human trafficking, meth trafficking network. Um, and it's a really insidious thing. People have to get more, uh, more active locally to start understanding their own dynamics in their own backyard. I mean, you brought up, go, go on. You brought up the cartel. The reason I would say that is uh, everyone always sees here in L.A., they got the ice cream man. They have the person that sells the flowers, the guy that sells the hot dogs. That's not their cart. That's not cheap. They don't come crossing the border and then they have a cart. That's run by the cartel that owes them money crossing the border or whatever, and they got to pay their dues. They're working for someone. That's expensive. Those carts that keep the ice cream cold all day. That's pricey. And you, like you said, the cartels and everything. So when you think you're buying flowers from the Mexican lady, she might get some money for that. But that cut is straight to the cartel. She don't come in here with money just to buy yeah. these flowers. You know, Johnny, Johnny Lee Perry, Johnny Lee Perry, before he was shot and killed by sheriff deputies. I mean, he came here from Oakland um, and he was using services at the shelter. Uh, I actually talked to him back in April and he told me he was a TI, a targeted individual. We had a, a long conversation about voice to skull stuff, um, things that he might be experiencing. And it, it really alarmed me because he was pretty, um, I have a pretty good bullshit detector and he seemed to be fairly on the level about him believing he was experiencing this stuff. When I saw him in August, a couple months later, he was very agitated. He was acting erratically. Um, I took video footage of him um, basically saying he can kill at will. He's the new CIA. He's walking up and down the sidewalk without his shirt on with his hands in the air, like they're guns. And I videotaped this. Um, I put out this, this uh, limited version of this on August 16th. And then he is shot and killed on August 29th. Um, this guy, Johnny Lee Perry knew things about what happened to Sean Stevenson inside the Pavarello center. Um, the family, my first podcast episode was interviewing his sisters, Sean Stevenson's sisters. Um, and I can't even get local organizations like the Montana human rights network who care about black people. Supposedly, I can't even get them to listen to the interview. I'm just like, you guys are taking donations in Montana in a liberal community that virtue signals how much we care about minority populations. And I'm like, Hey, listen to this interview 
with Jaychelle Stevenson and Angela Stevenson, the sisters of Sean Stevenson. He was killed, you know, and, and what? We're not going to ever get clear answers about what happened. So Damn, it's amazing dude. to me. It's amazing to me what can happen in a town I, like this. You know, I, I think uh, I've said this before, you know, as a guy who did speed, right? I didn't do crystal map. I did speed, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I believe that there is dark energy when crystal meth uh that uh brings in spirits uh negative energy negative beings uh i believe that's alcohol as well it lowers your vibration which allows entities to walk in and possess you and you see it happen all the time i mean they all look possessed by demons i see it happen all the time and listen man this is gonna Sound like a really crazy thing, but I mean, it says before on other podcasts, man. So what we're seeing going on right now in Australia, right? Yeah. You have a government that is doing, I mean, I mean, things that we've never seen governments in our time. We never thought we would see camps. They are now grabbing. They're not just grabbing people to test positive. You're not grabbing people to test positive. You're grabbing people to test positive. And contact, close contact. I mean, you could be at Subway and the guy next to you has COVID. They sense that you're going to the camps. Think about that. Yeah. And you're like, okay, we've seen this in Latin America. We've seen this in Africa. Why aren't gun runners running guns to these people? This is a giant group that could be paying money for fucking weapons to push back against the government. It's not happening. Why isn't it happening? Because just like everything we're noticing, all these outlaws and rebels were fucking part of the system. The gun runners, the, you know, that every movie, Nicolas Cage, uh, Lord of Wars, right? It's all part of the system. And they're all part of the system and they're used until they're no longer worthy or have any purpose. And then they're arrested or killed or whatever. So they don't tell any secrets. That's the same thing with drugs in this country. How are drugs getting into this country, man? How are drugs getting? How are these these fucking cartels getting all these drugs in? Well, well because think- the powers that be that run everything are wanting the drugs to come in. Oh, absolutely. And and one of the things to think about is like you think about World War II and rat lines. These things are inherited by the next power structure that comes in. I, I heard it described, and I can't remember where this came from. I think it was George Webb or something. Um, who's kind of a questionable source, but um, he was talking about the fall of the Soviet Union and all these Eastern Bloc countries. What ended up happening is um, these these organized uh, criminal families fill the vacuum of power. And then what happens when they fill the vacuum of power is the next generation, their kids become diplomats and diplomatic immunity. And so when you when you kind of have that level of um, immunity, um, it's it's amazing what happens. Like locally, what's going on, I think, is that um, there's been some high high profile uh, busts of a meth trafficking ring, and you're wondering, okay, then who replaces that that meth trafficking ring? Um, who's actually filling in? Because there's no disruption in the supply. From what I see downtown in Missoula, no problem. You know, getting getting all fucking tweaked out. I actually. I, I, I ran across, I, I know a lot of people on the streets. And so there was one night, um, I don't drink anymore, but I, I love getting real stoned and walking around downtown late at night. Um, it's fascinating to, to not be a part of the active uh, bar scene, but to walk around. And, and so at midnight, I see this former client of mine 
Um, and he's got a small little portion of crystal meth just like sitting there. He's putting his stuff to, away and he's about to take off. I'm like, hey, what are you doing, man? Why are you just leaving money on the ground? He's like, oh, that's only $20 worth. I'm like, come on. I'm like, pick that up. You don't want, you know, squirrels get tweaking and, and shit. Come on. There could be kids the next day, right? And he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, uh, you know, I'm just going to go meet this guy at the Ox, man. You want to come with me? I'm like, fuck no, absolutely not. I'm like, are you cooking this shit yourself? He's like, no, I'm getting it from out of state now. And so I actually call someone um, on the drug trap drug task force. And this guy um, calls me back and, and says, oh, he's a low level guy. We're not worried about him. I'm like, okay, well, uh, I'm a commu uh, concerned community member. So I'm going to be um, taking his picture around and showing people his picture downtown. So they are aware um, a couple of days later, he's back in jail. It's like, oh, that's, that's a convenient thing, you know? Um, and so one of the things I'm, I'm really worried about is how the, the criminal justice system is sort of working with confidential informants um, and, and what's happening with the pandemic now when you have the shelters and the, the jail and the hospitals are these different environments now. Um, cops are having to, to be forced to deal with a lot of crazy shit um, on the street. And it's, I have a lot of respect for boots on the ground first responders. It is an insane thing that they are forced to deal with. None of them got in the job they're in thinking that they would be responding to what they're responding to. Um, and so I, I, I try and have sympathy. I know there's good, good people involved, but I think it also yeah. creates a situation where it's easy to start justifying, you know, blurring the boundaries and starting to do some shady shit. And there's I some totally shady agree shit. with you, man. Uh, I do, uh, you know, which brings us to the, the next thing I want to talk about is everybody's trying to change how the country operates. How It's not about that. It's change how your community operates. Get involved on a community level, uh, whether it's school boards, you know, city councils, that's all the power in the world. You know, this where, uh, where the written house trial went, they were talking about how like one family is in like every power position. Yep. And that's, and that's been for probably decades. They've owed their dad, their dad's in, their kids are in, their uncle's in, and it's just boom, boom, boom. That's how you control power by positioning your, your family, your friends, your allies in it. And that's why you have to get in to power. Now this mayor that has been around for 20 years. Yeah. It just seems crazy to me that anybody would vote, vote the same person in that many times. Well, so, so here's the thing. And this is, this is um, where I'm very adamant now about people being realistic that we're in an information war. This is part of the shift of kinetic war is going into psychological war and information war. And so one of the things that I learned in my synchronicity work and talking to Michael Wan and some other people is the role of newspapers and those like, you know, information bottlenecks. And so uh, John Angan, our mayor, um, the, the first guy on his finance um, camp or committee on his first run was I think David Talbot was his name. He was part of the Missoulian newspaper industry, right? Um, and something kind of similar in Spokane where I've been fascinated about uh, waterfront development because water is a huge part of this amazing stuff that's happening and controlling water is a part of what I'm looking at locally. But when you look at um, the, the Spokane waterfront, which Sam, I tried to see you in Spokane, but my kid was COVID positive in September. And I, I, I verbally berated him. I was, I was like, this is my chance, kid. And you just ruined it for me. Why is, um, your, why is your kid I'm ruining kidding. your dreams? <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't say that to him. But yeah. yeah. But um, Spokane is a really, I, I was born there. And so my dad worked at the World's Fair in 74. I was born in 78. 
And as I looked into the World's Fair and, and the justification for doing all of this money to develop the riverfront, um, it was really put forward by this guy named King Cole was his name. I shit you not. King, C-O-L-E, King Cole. And the Cole family um, owned the Spokesman Review and the, like the other newspaper. And so, you know, as you think about um, the control of information, um, I mean, th this is a huge part of how someone like um, our mayor, who used to be a reporter for the Missoulian, um, his public public communications person used to be an editor for the Missoulian. Um, right now, I'm trying to expose United Way of, of Missoula County. Uh, Jim Strauss, the publisher of the Missoulian, is on the board of United Way. You know, and so the incestuousness in a town like Missoula with 80,000 people in the county, um, it, it is incredibly incestuous. And it's just very difficult because when you start criticizing it, you get attacked in these asymmetric ways. You know, I've had a guy that I worked with lose his board member position um, from, a, from an art gallery because they were like tied into to the local power elite. You know, and so it's it's interesting because that's how they they keep people isolated and afraid um, by by really intimidating you in these asymmetrical ways, and then they control the information and they gaslight you, make you think you're crazy for thinking that it's so corrupt. But it's it is that corrupt. No, it really is, and it's like my father said. I mean, my grandfather told my father, "You can't fight city hall all the time." And you know, politics is politics, but there are people that are learning how to flip boards, how to flip school boards, city councils, yep. and that's really what you got to do. Yep. And I mean, and the internet kind of destroyed local coverage of everything. And, you know, we no longer get that local newspaper that tells us everything the mayor's doing, everything's, I mean, we just had, I just did a podcast with Brian Callen today, and we were talking about how there was a board that was put together that voted 14 to zero to get rid of, of, um, of Metro Police. <laughs> How's that going to work? And get, they, they wanted to call them like training ambassadors. Like they wanted to have people to come talk to them with no, I mean, and the, the problem is that these people are never the ones that ride the train. Yeah. So let me give you a local example of that. Um, so there is a school board member um, of the, Mon Mon the Missoula County School Board System. OK, she also works at United Way. So that's like her paid position. She also creates Facebook groups and directs political activity th through Facebook, which is a direct conflict of interest that she should not be doing. Um, there was a situation a couple of weeks ago at a church where I was in attendance. Our, um, our state superintendent of public instruction, Elsie Arnson, was there to answer questions from parents. And so I stood up and I addressed this superintendent and I asked her, you know, as a parent, I am frustrated that a school board member can also direct political activity and work at a nonprofit. And all of that is problematic. And there's no way to hold her accountable. Well, at that same meeting, um, my, my lawyer, who was also representing a lot of parents and trying to challenge the mask mandates, um, he gets up in response to someone um, saying something and he makes a joke. OK, he makes a stupid joke um, that implies like, oh, maybe we should shoot school board members in a stupid thing for a lawyer to do. Right. Yeah, that's well, not the read the room. It's ex incredibly dumb. But the thing is, no one was supposed to be recording inside the church. Um, that's not a justification for what he said, because that wow. became the focus then in the media. Um, but the stuff that I said, no one paid attention to that. And then a state representative, a Democrat, had snuck into that church, even though there was signage saying, do not record. A state representative snuck into the church and recorded anyways. And I filed a police complaint um, and I was told by the city attorney's office, nothing will happen. This guy, 
um, is a state representative that moved here to Missoula from New York. He used to work at the Department of Homeland Security with refugees, and now he's in Missoula trying to shame us um, into masking kids because science. I don't know. It's fucking I insane. I can't man. take it. So there's a story out there about a woman <laughs> who's been flipping like she's flipped eight school boards. She's flipped them. She yeah. knows how to do it. She has a system. Her house got raided by the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I am the kind of parent that Merrick Garland is looking at. And I actually wrote a, a blog post um, giving my credentials about how I've helped um, give information to catch killers. And I want to get into that because credibility is pretty important. But um, I, I really think that like I'm the perfect type of parent to be targeted because I stood with a megaphone outside of the United Way building, and I spent about 30 minutes speaking my truth, okay? Um, from what I understand, this is back in the summertime when things were kind of heating up with school board policies. From what I understand, that school board member was sent home early. They were told uh, inside this nonprofit to call 911 if they saw me in the neighborhood. And then a state representative that I'm also trying to expose a different one started contacting people I know to say that I was off medications. She's trying to like basically gaslight me behind the scenes. And so, I mean, it's getting nasty and dirty. And I, I'm like, you know, I don't have um, fear anymore of a lot of the, the blowback. They've tried to come at me in some ways. And I'm like, if, if I'm afraid, um, I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. And so some people have to be more public and vocal. I feel called to do that. And I hope to empower more people to stand up. And I'm talking to people every day that are starting to realize it's now or never. You know, you got to do something. I mean, two years ago, if you were if you were anti-vaccine and you went to a school board, they would take your kids away. We had a chick, we had a chick on here that was very deep. She posts everything on her social media. She was going through a divorce. She legit had to take that off because her husband or her ex found her ex-husband was going to be like, hey, you're crazy. You won't let my kid get vaccinated. And now it's a thing at a school board where it's like everyone's debating it. Two years ago, you're a crazy person. Take the kids away. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Where we're at. Well, and that's, again, you have to understand where adult protective services, child protective services, um, these kind of state agencies have a lot of power. Um, you can be put on a 72-hour involuntary hold. Um, people have to realize that red flag laws are one way that they're coming after people. Um, we had locally uh, a woman get in charge of an uh, anti-suicide group, a suicide prevention program, and she covertly had these red flag laws she was trying to push at the state level. Um, and so, I mean, and this is where you don't even have uh, due process. They just come and they take. And then you have to prove um, later that you're not a harm to yourself, right? And so um, it's very important to understand what your sort of county laws are when it comes to involuntary holds, um, where, where you're at with, um, you know, all kinds of different sort of liberties and, you know, civil rights. It's, it's, a, it's a weird world. Things are kind of upside down. And, but that's part of the satanic inversion that these sociopaths are doing. So <laughs> it's just crazy, dude. So you've seen some like murders and stuff like that? So um, I, one of the first times I talked to the FBI is because they were um, coming around homeless shelters and, and basically trying to put out flyers about this guy that was traveling with the Rainbow family, but he was producing child porn. Um, so he was using the Rainbow family to sort of move around. Um, and so, you know, I started realizing I was pretty naive at that point. I'm like, wow, there might be serious people coming through the shelter. Um, I had a showdown with this guy named David Bergert. I didn't know him at the time. Um, he since has been connected to the Project 7 militia, and there's a podcast called Project 7 about him. And I was interviewed for that podcast. Um, but at the Pavarillo Center, the homeless shelter where I worked, I, I basically was working weekends and had a situation where 
I told this man he had to leave the bathroom because the building was closed. And I had this altercation with him, just verbal. He took pictures of me and told me I made the biggest mistake of my life, kicking him out of the shelter. Uh, about a couple weeks later, I see breaking news. He had taken shots at sheriff deputies and disappeared into the into the woods. Um, they never found him. He's still on the FBI's top 10 most wanted, I think. I haven't checked in a while, but um, they suspect he shot himself. And so that was a situation that I had some relation to. Um, and then the most screwed up situation that happened out at this Reserve Street camp area is uh, this guy named Kevin Lino, basically young guy from Massachusetts, kind of charismatic, but totally crazy, um, had a bunch of younger people that were following him around like a, like a street gang, but they were living up in the woods um, in Hellgate Canyon. They started a fire during the summer and they moved to the Reserve Street area. And this guy, Kevin Lino, ended up torturing this other dude and shooting him in the head and dumping the body in the river. Um, I came across the guy's girlfriend after the body was found and she told me what had happened. And I got that information to the sheriff's department immediately. And that information helped them identify the, the victim. Um, and it's, it's kind of funny because if, if cops took uh, homeless people seriously, they actually had three chances law enforcement did to catch Kevin Lino before he fled from Missoula. They ended up catching him in Louisiana, um, but they, they, they missed opportunities because they didn't take homeless people seriously. And so, you know, I had this uh, interaction with the criminal justice system. Um, and so I had this very different perspective and, and being on the other side of it now, kind of looking in from this outside perspective you know, I wonder what is going on when it comes to trying to catch the bad guy. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of compromised situations that have just gotten worse over the past two years. Um, and, and, and one thing I want to mention, too, if your county is also the coroner, that's a big problem. You're, 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 uh, the sheriff department in Missoula County is also the coroner. And so that's one reason why, um, you know, a man like Sean Stevenson can be assaulted, and then taken to the hospital and removed from life support. The coroner was in the room when that happened, but the family didn't know about it. So um, crazy shit like that can happen when you're not paying attention to how power rolls in your own backyard. Well, you know, it's amazing how people act when a paycheck's involved. Right. And humanity just leaves and everybody just starts co-signing on the bullshit. Happens all the time. And it's mind blowing and people know it's wrong. I mean, just look at what's going on in Hollywood with the way all these people just like, they just, they're just lemmings, dude. You know, they're sitting there crying about the Me Too movement, but they're quiet about, you know, every pedophile that gets in trouble. You know, they're like, they're crying about George Floyd, but then they're angry about Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse. And it's all just according to party lines and it's just unbelievable to the point they defend a bo a guy who raped three boys or five boys and yeah. like people are like why is this guy even out of jail why is he even out of jail it doesn't matter they're getting they're like they're crying on instagram and it's just unbelievable and they just have i mean i love it because it exposes everybody for what's really going on yeah yeah and, and like you are seeing, I mean, I know maybe I'm the only one who believes this, but I think everybody is starting to come together that we're starting to identify yeah. the crazies of, and it's not along any color or gender, like the extremes are being outed. I mean, all of these like outlaw brands, you know, rage against machine. 
I mean, if you go to a, I mean, the concerts, the songs are great. They're hollow as fuck now. <laughs> they mean literally nothing. Another what? band should record those songs so I could like them. Really rage against machines. Somebody else like Ted Nugent. Well, the, the best one that. I've seen is is that that girl who peed on that guy last week doing that rage song. That's probably the best performance of a rage machine, <laughs> a rage song that could I, I've could seen. Could agree long time. more. Golden yeah. showers is a lot more outlaw than crying about Rittenhouse. Well, one of the strangest things for me has been uh, where are the artists at in terms of trying to be rebels again? Like, there's no punk rockers. All the punk rockers seem to. Yeah, they're really all podcasts. Kind of, and I mean, and, and, and Morello, Tom, Morello, Tom Morello is a communist. I mean, he's just a flat out communist. He's so I don't know why we ever expected anything from that guy. No, what you're a, right. But I mean, like they it, like, dude, I remember when the uh, the uh, Democratic National Convention was going down. They the Rage Against the Machine shot a fucking whole like, yeah. you know, video down there. And everyone's like, dude, we're pushing back. And then well, like, that, that's because they weren't they weren't left wing enough for Rage Against the Machine. That's why they were protesting that, though, is because they didn't go far enough into making the government take oh, over I our lives. I never life. thought about that, Johnny. Yeah. That's a you good know, point. One of, the, one of the things that um, fucked me up the most was Dave McGowan's weird scenes inside the canyon. And uh, during this higher side chat uh, meetup that I had, the guy that showed up had weird scenes. I had the book with him. Um, and that, that turned me upside down in terms of the counterculture back during 67 and 68 and all of the parents that, that were like military intelligence. And so... People like Jim Morrison, who I absolutely identified with, like when I was in suburbia, just being like the little like, how am I going to rebel? Should I smoke pot and drop acid? Yeah. And then I listened to um, Jim Morrison because I watched the movie Lost Boys, right? And Lost Boys, when you think back, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman are in there. You have to invite the vampire past the threshold to allow him in. And uh, you got Jim Morrison singing the, singing the music, trying to ensnare and seduce a whole nother generation into really what... Um, is is uh, a metaphysical spiritual area that people don't have the tools to navigate. I mean, you, you start throwing some of these substance in, which I used in a lot of positive ways, but I've also seen it destroy people. Um, and some of the cannabis stuff, man, you know, I, I, I love cannabis, but I sat in this crime prevention seminar and I was sitting there like, I want to hear about the meth and the bad stuff. And then they start talking about all the shattered glass, like all the butane extracted 90% stuff. And I'm like, whoa, like it, you can't smell it and the teachers don't know about it. And I, I started shifting into a parent mindset, like, oh man, my kids are going to start sneaking all kinds of, like, I don't want them doing bath salts and, you know, obviously this kind of crazy it's shit. Crazy, so, dude. Different world out there when it comes to even just stuff it like is. cannabis. And Montana is about to be the wild west of cannabis. We're about to go recreational January 1st. Um, and I got some stories about the cannabis industry in this state. Oh, dude, I, all my friends who, who I love with all my heart, but man, a lot of these guys, smoke weed all the time and they become bipolar and I love them, but I have to handle them with like love because I know I have to watch how I present stuff to them because they could turn on me. Like, I mean, just turn dude. And I'm like, Whoa, what just happened right there? So yeah. I, 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 you know, and I'm, I'm sorry, dude, but weed isn't your, the grandpa's weed that the hippies used to smoke. Weed is now, the fucking the, the you know the, the the super industrial made in the lab they're fucking with that shit stuff now and yeah. it's like oh i'm just gonna get a little hot that's fine people are just like going deep and it's like dude that <laughs> you can't keep messing with your head like that without and like I, i'm i'm listen dude i know I say it's weird. legalize all drugs i don't think people should go to jail for them 
I think we should figure out a way to take that money, figure out a way to uh, help people get them into recovery, stuff like that. Sending people to jail for doing drugs is not helping anybody except for the people who own the prisons, which is kind of the whole point of it. So that's my opinion, dude. We've seen the whole uh, fentanyl on, and we lately write the whole articles on that. Yeah. You know what I think? I think it's the government telling you don't buy weed illegally, go to the clinics and pay the fucking taxes. Because out here in Cali, out here in Cali, a lot of people buy it through the homie, under the table, because the taxes is uncredible. But if they give you a word to scare you, hey, it, it could have fentanyl in it, don't buy it there, go buy it from our clinic where it's taxed 20 times higher. I think that's what they're going with. Because how, how can you put fentanyl in weed and not notice his white powder on it? <laughs> a lot I'm of the, a lot you. of the yeah, a lot of the tax stuff in Montana, um, recreational is going to be taxed at like twenty three or twenty for twenty four percent, and then um, medical will be at four percent. Um, and there's a lot of people uh, in the state that um, use cannabis to get off opiates, and so they're during the the legislation and the battles kind of back and forth. Um, some of those chronic pain patients that are using cannabis are sort of, sort of seen like a chip to be bargained with, which is awful um, because, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, firsthand the opiate um, sort of hard, hard drug impacts. And, and the only problem I had at the homeless shelter with cannabis is like, hey, if you're like spending your, your limited resources on this, on this and not saving up in the, to get into housing, maybe that's a problem. But <clears throat> I, I do think that the harm reduction approach. Um, in terms of just, you know, not necessarily having huge criminal impacts on, on, on drug use. But at the same time, when you look at Michael Schellenberger's work, he's talking about Europe not allowing these open-air drug scenes. People can't shoot fentanyl, you know, um, over in, in, in Portugal. They, they still had some kind of balance they were able to maintain with consequences. And that's what I, again, I, if, if there's a carrot and stick approach where you have real treatment and real consequences for people that are just like out of their minds, um, I think you can yeah. see progress. It's not fully, fully open. They do it inside their tent. Come on, dude. It's not like <laughs> no. It's just like if you're if you're on the if you're causing chaos in the neighborhood, you know. I mean, we can kumbaya this to the end of days, but if you're infringing on other people's right to live peacefully, that's when we got a problem. And there's this one guy who goes up and down my street, and man. I mean, he looks like a homeless Ari Shafir <laughs> and he's just crazy. And I give him money all the time. He never fucks with me because I think he loves my dog. But man, I'm just waiting for something bad to happen to that guy because he's so in your face with nuts. And yeah. I don't think he can help it because it's 24 seven. It's not like sometimes I see him chill. He's like that all the time, which makes me think that's a wiring issue. But I don't know how you help that guy. How do you help that guy? Well, wait up. Before he answers that, the cleanup is coming. Los Angeles is having the Olympics in 2028. Uh, 20, 2028. And you know, there's no way they're going to let the homeless just kick it like that. So they're going to go somewhere else at least for a couple months and then come back later. But the cleanup is coming. But the question has to be, why are Democrats allowing this to happen? Yeah, and I, you know, I think the problem reaction solution, because the, the solution is going to be part of what uh, Biden is doing with trillions of dollars coming from the federal government. Uh, they want to have a transformative impact on, on social engineering. Um, and, and one of the things, it's not sexy to talk about stuff like zoning. Um, and I, I'm working on a documentary right now about tax increment financing, which is a little known uh, mechanism that really creates housing uh, affordability problems. Um, but it, these things aren't necessarily sexy. And because they're 
they're not sexy, you don't understand the importance of paying attention to zoning because as they start looking at tiny home communities and centralized services and places where you have to then use smart grid technology, I mean, I really think they, they want the problem to be so bad that we uncritically accept the solution, which is a totalitarian kind of, you know, technocratic control system. Um, and so that's where I get worried that this is where a lot of the um, the insanity is being allowed to just metastasize because ultimately um, they don't care how much gets destroyed. That build back better is built on the destruction first and then rebuilding um, this new form of control. And so, I mean, I, that's where my most cynical black build stuff goes. But then I play with Legos. Um, and I um, understand the spiritual movements of synchronicities, and I, I'm very happy and, and feeling very positive ultimately. So um, I, I try and maintain a positive outlook on stuff, um, even though I, I go to the antique mall and I find weird stuff like this. Um, and I think that you should trust your intuition when you find objects and your gut is telling you something might be off. Um, you should definitely believe it. For people that are just listening to the podcast, this is a, a little like black pig with a, uh, a, this, like the head of a boy and red eyes. And because of this object, I, I now think I, I, I know a local person who is not a good person. Um, and uh, I won't get into too much detail, but you gotta be just paying attention to stuff. Uh, my oh, wife, what? what just happened there? I, Sam, you weren't paying attention for a second. And then I show this uh, pig boy and yeah. things, get, things got really fucking weird. Just it happens like that sometimes with me. I well, apologize. Well, well I, I, what do you? Because we had Ryan. Was it Ryan? Who boy? was it? Who was it that talked to us about objects being imbued with negative properties, like almost cursed? And like, was it Ryan Bledsoe? Who, who did that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Like a kind of, kind of. Um, there was the Friday the Thirteenth TV show. Do you guys remember that? Where the whole premise was they went to go um capture like the, like these antique objects that were creepy. Um, that was kind of, I threw this out there and it's kind of weird, but, um, the idea that I wanted to kind of put out there is your intuition can tell you things and you should listen to it. Um, this, this little thing in the antique ball, um, there's a retired professor from Georgia that has this antique, like this vending, you know, place and everyone's kind of weirded out by him. I make a documentary. So I want to talk to him about documentaries. Right. And so I, I have a conversation with this guy and he's kind of looking me up and down. He's got these beady little eyes. And I'm just like, is this guy really just weird? Or is it just me? Am I, am I not, am, am I being, is this me, my problem? And so he gives me a documentary that he made and I watch it with my wife and my buddy. And it's this French photographer. Okay. She's done. She's, she's dealing with some trauma. Okay. And I, I want to relate this to Pizzagate in a second. Um, she's obviously dealing with some trauma and this, this documentary shows her photographs and they are fucking creepy as hell. Right. There's a flash of one particular image. And I, I I'm like, what? I hit pause and I go back and I'm like, I want to take a picture of this image, but then I'm like, is this going to be child porn on my phone if I take this picture? Because if you have to ask yourself how young that girl is with a giant cock in her mouth, then that's a problem in my mind. Yeah. And so for me, that's confirmation that, that this guy, retired professor that used to um, have students that he would show things to, in my mind, and this is speculation, I'm just, I'm not saying that he's done this, but in my mind, in terms of grooming behavior, you show a documentary like this, if one of your students identifies the image, that's a chance to kind of feel out where the boundaries might be um, and to see if there's any vulnerabilities. And so you have potentially people that just are, are sort of under the radar in your own communities 
um, that might just be part of things that are, are a little creepy. Oh, I totally um, believe that. And you, and you got to pay attention to your intuition. My wife got us out of this Costa Rica town because she was like, something is wrong with this hostel we're staying at. And it turned out, um, we found out that uh, it was a Catholic priest who had been moved around the States a bunch. And they finally found this little town in Costa Rica to hide him out. And this woman running a bed and breakfast told us the community was trying to kick him out because he was quote unquote, teaching the kids English, you know? And so there was just some creepy shit going on. And so I think as, as people kind of move forward into this new weird world that they're trying to push on us, um, and we might have to create a parallel world sort of to live in that's not psychotic, um, you really got to trust your intuition and your gut um, about what might be happening in your own backyard, because there's, there's little signs out there and little signals. It's not all obvious, like astral world, Satan, you know, sacrifice stuff, but um, pay attention. <laughs> what you got to ask yourself, or why are these politicians doing this? Why are they doing all this crazy shit? And that, that is, it. I mean, are they all compromised? I mean, at a, at a low level, are they being, are they being promised the world? I mean, what is this? And it just becomes, you know, us versus them. And they, they are waging war against the middle and lower class. And they've been sold on this idea of communism, Marxism, is the way to go and that and that they will be taken care of when this system is implemented but what history will show is those people get taken out as well because the people who got them to do it don't trust them as far as they can kick them they yeah, brown, my, they're the brown shirts my my fictional story this is a perfect kind of segue into uh, mentioning what i'm trying to accomplish in fiction and i kind of stopped writing this fictional story because it started coming true to a, a certain degree, but the, the pitch what are you, the I, Babylon B? I guess. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Right. Um, I started writing it in 2016 and um, the pitch that I kind of have for Missoula being a microcosm is this. Okay. Um, to the North, we have uh, Linda Pritzker. So Linda Pritzker is part of the Pritzker family. So currently the governor of Illinois is a Pritzker. So Linda's like the black sheep and she started the, the thousand Buddha garden up in Arlie, Montana. So we have a billionaire kind of connected up there. To the south of us, we have a biosecurity level four lab and a guy named Fauci. You might have heard of him. Um, I've his, heard of him. Yeah, his mentor um, was just doing some work south of Ooh, us. Dracula? Um, Maurice Hilleman. Yeah, no, Dracula is their, uh, their spirit animal. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, Fauci has a mentor to the south of us. We have um, Seth Bodner is the president of the University of Montana. So he's a West Point guy, like special ops. He was uh, GE transportation, corporate guy. His wife just happened to be in telemedicine before the, the pandemic. Um, his wife also just happened to be buddies with Jim Messina, who helped get Obama reelected in 2012. And then Jim Messina went across the pond to help get Brexit sort of pushed through. And so for a little mountain town with a river that runs through it, we have some actual big players um, that, that are here. And I think this might be one of the bunker locations that's being looked at as a place to sort of protect because they've got their hideaways. I, uh, I've heard that Pelosi's got land to the south of us in Hamilton, potentially. Um, it's a very interesting situation. And I think if you watch the show Yellowstone, it's actually Yellowstone's an amazing show. Costner's doing fantastic work showing this like Montana power dynamics, you know, when it comes to gentrification and the res and all this stuff that's happening. It's, it's a fascinating thing. Well, the best way to hide is in plain sight. And, you know, there's a reason why Bill Clinton was picked 
mean, not only was he's a Rhodes Scholar, he's playing ball. Yep. Hillary has connections to organized crime, but they were running. They got in control of Arkansas, which yep. at the time was 50th in the states. So, I mean, nobody's paying attention to Arkansas. It's a shithole. And no disrespect to anybody in Arkansas, but at the time, that's why they used him because nobody was paying attention to the things that Bill Clinton was doing in Arkansas. And yep. that's why they could run Coke through Arkansas because nobody, everyone was looking at Florida. It's my whole opinion on Florida. I love the state. I love gigging there. But man, they're shouting freedom way too much. Way too much. And you got places like Tennessee, Oklahoma. They're just as free, but they're not as loud. Florida's just really loud, man. And I'm like, why is it so loud? Something's going on. And the places that aren't talking, that are super quiet, those are the ones you should keep your eye on because something's going down. It's like, it's like when we went to uh, Alabama with the tinfoil hat shell, you know, it's just like nobody showed up to hunt Huntsville because that's where the new world order is. But nobody knew that until I got there, that Huntsville was the real home of the new world order, not Houston and NASA, but really in Huntsville, that's where they sent the Nazi that oh, came and built. Yeah. So that's what happens, man. It's never the big loud one. It's the, you know, it's the quiet one that you got to worry about, man. Hey, well, Travis. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You all crushed it today. Thank you so much, man. Oh, so, my pleasure. My pleasure. Should we, should we wrap it up? Is it getting, getting close? Yeah, to the I got, I got to go see the babies. Oh, I, I am so happy that you get to, to have that joyful experience. Of, I love um, them. Th the kids will challenge you in ways that you can't even conceive uh, of yet. It's, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Ghost is already putting on theatrics. It's unbelievable <laughs> to watch. She just puts on a show and I go, and the Oscar goes to, and she'd get up and put herself in and be like, just push me. You know, she's putting words together. I love it. I love it. End of the day. That's the most important stuff is, is what's closest to you. And that's, you know, family, friends. I mean, that's the stuff that you have to put the energy into at the end of the day. So I love them so much. Yeah. So um, why don't you tell them where they can find you, brother? So uh, williamskink.com is my website that's been perpetually kind of under construction for years, but there's going to be some links to, to find um, some of the different things that I'm doing. Um, so that's uh, williamskink, S-K-I-N-K.com. Um, then engensmissoula.com, E-N-G-E-N-S-M-I-S-S-O-U-L-A. Engensmissoula.com is where we're going to be putting our, our documentary about tax increment financing out. Um, we're going to make it a very sexy thing to, to understand local tax mechanisms because the amount of corruption that we're, we're trying to document, it's phenomenal. So I'm really excited to have some things kind of getting out there and to, to do more interviews like this. I mean, you've inspired me so much, Sam. All you guys have really helped me um, know that I'm not as crazy as I kind of thought I was um, and stay positive in, in moving forward because let there's me, a, lot, a lot of work to be done. Let me ask you how XG has influenced you. How is, how is he influenced? <laughs> XG? Are you kidding me? Um, cannabis is a is a uh, experience that he's trying. To... <laughs> I love it. XG is the best. We love it. That was I, a know, joke. You guys have so much fun. It, it really is nice that you guys keep it positive and it, like the 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 folks that you're bringing together. Um, I think you're you guys are like resonators of synchronicities. You are helping us gather the troops together to fight back against the sociopaths. So I love it, man. I, I, well, I greatly appreciate all you guys. Brother. 
That means a lot to me. Thank you so much. You crushed it. You crushed it. I think this is important conversations. People need to understand that if they want change, they have to engage in change, you know, and you have to pay. You got to keep your eye on the ball. It's open real life. It's going to be just for the rest of your life. There's no time to take a break because they're unrelenting. Now, I'm going to end on this. And Johnny, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I think Bitcoin could easily be a government psyop. But if you're asking me, I think you're going to Bitcoin could be the beginning of the end of centralized banks. Because what's going on is you have, uh, where's it, El Salvador, like basically getting all on Bitcoin. And if this thing explodes enough, they're going to be able to pay off all their IMF debts. That means they're out of the IMF pot. The scam. And if we're going to see more and more comp- more and more countries doing this, it's going to be more, it's going to be like, why are we going to need the IMF? Why are we going to need all these centralized banks? The future's bright, man. We'll see. Travis, thanks for coming on. Xavier, you inspire me every day <laughs> with your bravery. Okay. Johnny, make love to farm animals because we know that's why you go back all the time. Uh, we love you guys very much. Uh, hopefully this will get out before Thanksgiving. We got another episode we're doing tomorrow. That'll probably come out on Friday, but have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy time with your family. That's what it's all about. And just know the Raiders are playing and they'll probably lose. So, uh, you know, should be a uh, tradition. Thank you guys for tuning in. We love you very much. Hope to see you in San Diego. And then in the new year, a lot of great, uh, tour dates are coming. So we love you very much. I'll talk to you soon. Adios. Go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.